0: I went to Disneyland last month, and I have to tell you what is happening there right now, because it's something when I first heard about it, I didn't believe it. At six o'clock in the morning, hours before the gates open to Disneyland, there are a group of parents, mostly fathers, and they line up at the gate, and it looks like this race. There's, There's no kids there. It's just this line of parents. And then hours later, as 9 a.m. strikes and these gates open, there is a dead sprint across the park. Still no kids. Behind, sometimes there are strollers chasing them, but generally there are thousands of these fathers running across the park to get in line to meet the frozen princesses. And these are not the real ones, because those are pixels. They are computer animated. Rather, they get in line to meet a bunch of women who are dressed up like computer-generated princesses. But you have to ask, why this mad dash? Because if you don't dash, there is a four to six hour line to see these women. What is going on here? Why are these parents doing this? They know that this is not really Elsa and Anna, but they do it and then they wait in line all day long. But why? Now, believe it or not, parshat Bahar, where we are this week, our parsha actually answers this question. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't do it directly. It doesn't say, Vayidabher Adonai, Amoshele Mor. And God spoke to Moses saying, this is why people stand in line to see Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's far more roundabout than that directly, but I'm telling you, it answers this question. Now, to dig into this, we have to focus on a single line of text from this week. In this week's Parsha, we learn about the sabbatical year. The year when one is supposed to let their field lie fallow, when no planting and harvesting is done. And this is where the concept of taking a sabbatical, it comes from. In our community, our rabbis every seven years, they take a sabbatical to rejuvenate just like the land rejuvenates. But when it comes to farming and not harvesting during an entire year, there is a question one would expect anyone to ask. If you don't farm, what are you going to eat? And this is exactly what the Israelites ask. They go, quote, what will we eat? Now, it's that question that I want to focus on. Yehuda Aryeh Leib Alter, or better known as the Sfas Emes, who lived from 1847 to 1905. He was the chief Hasidic rabbi of Ger, near Warsaw. In the Sfas Emes, he questions what the question meant. He does this by citing Noam Elimelech of the 18th century. And on the surface, when you read this question, it seems as if the question, what are we gonna eat? It seems like it's a complaint. Questioning if there will actually be anything to eat. But if for just a moment you hold your criticism and your judgment back and you don't take this question that they're asking as a complaint, then suddenly an entire world opens up. This now changes the entire meaning of the question, what will we eat? Suddenly, it appears like a question from a person who's never actually lived before, a person who doesn't know about food, as if you get a new car, and you're asking, how am I supposed to fuel this? Does it take gas? Is it electric? Is it a hydrogen cell? Or do I charge it? But the fact is, these people in the Torah, they've obviously eaten before. Therefore, the question could not be taken as if they've never eaten before and that they didn't know. So then what does this question mean? The Svas Emes, he gets to the question of the question by looking at the answer. The Israelites, they're told that their sustenance will come by means of a blessing. The assumption is that food, it comes from the earth. That's nature. That's just how it works. If there's rain and if there's sun, you're going to have food. The question the Israelites are actually asking was not, what should we eat? Should it be a burrito or Burmese food? Rather, what they're asking is what should fill them up? What is giving them sustenance? Should it just be the physicality of food, or should it be something much greater? The answer, it shows us that it was never just about the physical. Rather, it was about our ability to see the miracle that was always in front of us. That's what a blessing is. A blessing doesn't actually change anything. It just frames the sacredness of a moment. I can take a bottle of Zinfandel, I can open it, I can drink the wine and think that it's great. But when I stop and I say Pri Hagafen, and I stop and I say this blessing, that frames the wine. It frames that there was a farmer that picked this fruit off the vine, cared for it, that there was yeast that somehow transformed that sugar from juice into wine. It is this blessing that does not change the wine. What it does is that it changes me. The Svas Emes, he says that miracles and nature are all one. They cannot be considered separate. The word nes, which means miracle, it means uplifting. And it's a way of viewing a world that is lifted out of a natural state. Miracles are all around us at all times. But are we able to see them? It was the Israelites formally asking the question, of what will we sustain ourselves with that reminded them to focus on the miracles of nature. But the question we must ask ourselves today here in San Francisco is are we asking ourselves the right questions to be uplifted? Are we stopping in our lives to look around and realize that it's miraculous that my composition of atoms has enabled me to be conscious and to perceive every single one of you, and then in a blink, just like Marsha reminded us in the beginning, I'm no longer going to be individuated, but rather that my atoms are just going to return to the earth. Am I asking all the right questions to be aware of this moment we are all given in the sacredness of this time? Am I asking the ultimate question, what am I doing here? The reason those parents are running across Disneyland, it was not to see Elsa and Anna. They know that they're characters. Rather, it's to stare into their children's faces and see the awe that their children are experiencing, seeing these characters. That moment, just that split second, it gives the parents a sense of the miracle by looking through their children's eyes. And we as a generation are so desperate to touch the miraculous that we will wait in line four or six hours to see just a glimpse of that light. But the reason why we all come together on Shabbat is to ask the big questions and to find a space to sit in the silence and then to revel in the sacredness of time. Shabbat Shalom.
1: Rabbi Bauer wanted me to do a song after his sermon. And I'm thinking, what is the song? What is the song? What is the song? But we have a song that's about questions in our prayer book. Does anybody know what it is? Turn to page three hundred and forty in your prayer book. Li, Im enani li milili, im enani li milili milili, enani li milili. Ukshanile mi, mi, yatzmi mani 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 mani. Veim lo achshav, veim lo achshav, veim hey, Mm-hmm. so it says if i am not for myself who will who be for I? me if i am only for myself who am what I? am i and if not now when so the first line goes im ain'a milili 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 A matay, a matay, a matay. Was that a good rehearsal for you? You ready to try it? Let, let's stand up because we're going to rise in a second for the Alainu anyway, and I think your voices will come out a little better if you're standing. Do you want me to take it a little bit lower? Okay, no comment. Fine, I'll keep it right where it was. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, good. What key are we in? C sharp. Great. Im aina, me, me, So that's time everybody say Uh Shah ani, Ani Laatmi Laatmi Ma'ani Ma' If I'm only for myself what am I right? So it goes Uh ani Laatsmi Ma ni Ma ni Ma One more time, okay? Im me, 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 Of aim aim a tie A Matai, A Matai, A, tie, a, tie, a tie. If not now, when? If not now, when? We're on page two, five eighty six. We're page five eighty six.